Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going for drought this past week? Um, lot to be excited about. Um, don't want to reveal anything too early on. Obviously, we'll get into the sports, but um, a lot of things have been going on, and I'm looking forward to get into it. Yeah, same, same over here. Doing good. Um, really excited to talk about this episode. A lot of good stuff to talk. Mm -hmm. Ready to get into it. Ready to get into it. It's definitely been a pretty good week for the most part. And we're going to start with football as they went down to Miami to take on Florida International University, or FIU for short, for their annual Shula Bowl, the 21st in its history. And FAU ran away with it coasting to a 52-7 blowout win for its for their sixth straight Sugar Bowl victory. And it's just flat-out dominance. And they have now have their record, overall record at 5-5 five and five, and their conference record at 4-2. and two. With this win, all they need is one more win to clinch bowl eligibility. So, guys, uh, what are your thoughts on how FEU played at this past weekend? Overall, I thought it was the cleanest game we had played um, in all three phases. Uh, I just thought everything kind of was working in our favor. It didn't seem like we were battling against ourselves like we usually do, um, whether it be penalties or just stalling drives due to insufficient play calling. But, I mean, this week it really felt like everything we were calling and putting together um, had a great effect. <clears throat> I know the rushing attack was pretty prominent. Um, you know, we got – McCormick in there often. I think he had over 100 yards on the ground, which was good to see. Um, and, you know, even with Nikosi as good of a weapon as he is, we didn't have to rely on him that much. I think we only had like 100 some passing yards in the air, but by then we were already so far out ahead that we just had to, you know, keep the ball on the ground, keep the clock moving, and pull out the win. And that's exactly what we got. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. It was probably the most complete. Uh, team game we've played all year. Fortunately enough, it came against the school down south. So, I mean, it, any type of win over FIU was great, but to just dominate in all phases of the game like that is awesome. Um, shout out to Nikozi Perry. Um, yeah, he, he didn't he didn't throw. He didn't throw for that much. It was 104 exactly, but they had such great field position because of the defense. And, like, that's really just kind of a statistical kind of thing. Um, but shout out to him. He put I thought he played great, especially dealing with the hand injury um, that he's still kind of dealing with. He still had it wrapped up pretty heavily today at practice. But um, shout out to him. Just a great game, you know. Um, defense played great. Jalen Wester with the uh, pick on the first play of the game. That was huge. He got us the ball in the red zone right there. So just a great game. It was awesome. That was on mute. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely a great win for these guys. And especially coming off their last bye week of the season. So for this week, they will take on Middle Tennessee. The same, the, the, the very team that eliminated from bowl contention last year in the season finale. So for this game, uh, what are expectations for FU heading into this matchup, this time being on the road? Um, well, you know, Middle Tennessee is a team I think we should beat. 
um, you know, obviously in the same conference, been playing decently well. Um, I don't know, man. Looking at Middle Tennessee's last couple of games, you know, they played Charlotte, who we blew out at the beginning of the year, and they played them a lot closer than we did. Um, you know, some pretty bad losses to UAB, uh, Western Kentucky, teams that we've shown pretty good games against. But like I said, you can't take any team for granted, um, especially in conference. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Every team's trying to play their hardest and win out, especially um, if there's any bowl contentions on the line. I know we'll be playing for some bowl eligibility. So hopefully that'll inspire our guys a little bit more. Um, personally, I think Middle Tennessee gives up a lot of yards on defense, which helps us a lot helps us out a lot all that it comes down to is whether or not our defense is going to be able to show up and kind of hinder them as much as possible because i have the utmost confidence that we'll be able to put up points it's just whether or not we can slow them down enough to uh kind of put the game out of reach later on all right i'm also um not not exactly sure what to think either um middle tennessee is kind of a tough opponent to gauge because um They've current, they're currently sitting at ninth in the conference in total offense, which isn't isn't great. But that win against Miami they had early in the season just scares me a little because not only did they they head down to Miami and win, they went down to Miami and blew them out of the water. And they had it was kind of an they kind of just ran um, just outscored them. They could Miami couldn't stop them on defense and. Um, that scares me a little. Um, that scares me a little. But I think maybe they, since they finally got this win on the road this weekend, mm-hmm. that like monkey is kind of off their back in a sense, and they just finally got it done. That they can kind of continue with it. But I don't know. I don't know. It's a they're a tough opponent to gauge. Middle Tennessee should not be taken lightly. Um, yeah. But it, it's interesting, especially with uh, Coach Deerman offensive coordinator who came from middle Tennessee last year. They knocked us out of bowl contention. It's going to be a really interesting game to watch. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Cameron. Um, this will be an interesting matchup, especially with what happened last year. FEU will definitely be looking for payback after what happened in, in last season, uh, in the season finale last year. So this will definitely be an, a, a great game to watch for both sides. Uh, but again, this game will take place on Saturday, November 19th at 3.30 and it will be broadcast on ESPN Plus. So, supporting our Owls as they will hope to clinch bowl eligibility. And moving on from FEU football, we have FEU basketball, and we'll start off with the men's. After losing their first road game of the season against Ole Miss, eighty to sixty-seven, the Owls pulled off the impossible, heading down to Gainesville and escaping with a 76-74 upset victory, their first win ever against the Florida Gators. So, guys, uh, what were your reactions while seeing this game? Because this was a game, it was it was incredible. That's what I had to say for the most part overall. It was a great match over, from both sides. Yeah, well, you know, Dusty May finally got to return back to Gainesville. Uh seeing as how he was an assistant there the last couple of years, and he's brought nothing but success to this Florida Atlantic program. Um, and we're glad we have him, obviously, because he returned home and kind of showed him what real coaching looks like. Um, I think a big uh, proponent to this game was definitely our bench. I mean, we outscored their bench 34 to five. Um, that was a huge mark for us. And not only that, but I'm, 
pretty sure we shot over 50% from three. I mean, we were just lights out shooting the ball. I mean, that was amazing to watch. Um, also, shout out to Vlad for that poster dunk. I can't remember who's like <laughs> second half or not, but that, when he hit that, I was kind of like, yeah, we're winning this game. Like it, this is over. Um, I mean, we were kind of leading the whole game outside of that trailing at that little bit in the second half. We kind of just took it to him the entire game. I was really surprised. You know, usually when you kind of, look at it on paper and you go on these like road trips against power five schools, you're kind of like, Oh, well, you know, maybe we can play them close and kind of gauge where we're at for the season. So when we play teams more in our conference, we know what to expect or how well we need to play. That wasn't the case. You know, we played Ole Miss extremely close, you know, obviously we didn't weren't like fully awake in the first half and kind of got that wake up call and settled it in the second half. But this Florida game, we, we were firing on all cylinders, every facet of the game. It seemed like we were playing extremely well for us. With 20 points was extremely huge awesome. and then yeah off the bench like that's just massive um anytime you can get that much production off the bench like that will win you games and i'm glad may recognizes that because he has no problem subbing guys in and out um and just feeding the hot hand essentially so it was really good to see that and you know my expectations are now even higher than they were uh for the rest of the season especially after coming off this big win yeah i just can't say how like big this win is um uh it's it's just another just awesome to see but besides that i want to say that was some of the worst officiating i've ever seen in any sport <laughs> exactly. any level it was it was ridiculous those refs never be allowed near a basketball court again in their lives they obviously had their 401ks on florida money line or something it was it, i'm so ridiculous the two offensive uh, fouls on Michael Forrest were some of the worst calls. I've, I've, like, the I, I still don't that. understand what the foul call was. The commentators didn't say what it was on TV. And then the no call on Vlad on a jump ball. Vlad falls on the ball, loose ball, and number 11 on Florida just literally jumps on top of him in front of the ref in no jump ball, no foul, nothing. The ref just watching like you and I. It was It was terrible. The fact that they could pull off an upset with that is just amazing. But it was it was great. Shout out to Vlad Volden. Um, I think this box score won't really show it because he lost Castleton, who's great on Florida, scored yeah. 30. But I think Vlad kind of held his own against him. He came up with some big stops on Castleton, especially in the second half that if maybe don't happen, outcome is different. So that, that was big. He's showing why, like, Coach May talks about him in such high regard, and it, um, I thought he played great. Um, and which I don't think the stats will show, but I think he played great. It's like you said, the bench having scored scored twenty off the bench is huge. I hope they can just um, keep it rolling because, like you said, this is they're gonna have a target on their back in the CUSA. Now they're kind of the team to beat, I think, mm -hmm. after this win. So um, I think they can because this win shows exactly why. Dusty May is a great coach. Those four winning seasons in a row aren't an accident. And this win last night showed it. Yeah, when and when it comes to Golden, he he you are right, Cameron. The stats won't show that, but that's mainly because he only played 17 minutes compared to Castleton on the Gators, who played 34 minutes. Right. He almost played the whole game and got 30, right. 30 points, 12 rebounds, five blocks, which is which is a great stat line. No doubt about it. But you are right that Golden held his own in the time that he had, getting eight points. Uh, a few rebounds and a few blocks um, in 17 minutes of playtime. But right. and Castleton, Castleton is is great. He has um, 
he has the tools to be um to play it definitely in the next level. So Vlad Vlad definitely shout out to him for holding his own against him. Did a good job. Well yeah, it's it's great to see Michael Forrest come come on the team at the right time, dropping 20 points off the bench in his uh season debut. Um but hey, the way he was moving off the ball and catching and shooting for those three pointers, it was he was looking like Ray Allen out there. No cap. <laughs> but yeah, this was an incredible win for for the men's basketball team, and hopefully they keep up that momentum heading into their uh, coming back home. Uh, this time, taking on Bryant University, which FU Athletics is nicknaming the Boca Raton Mega Bowl, which is a unique. Uh, a name to highlight for this game. Uh, this will take place on Thursday, November 17 at 7 p.m. And after that, they take on Detroit Mercy on Saturday, November 19 at 6 p.m. So, our fans, um, cheer, cheer team on. They beat Florida. You should, you should praise them for that. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball as they finally played their season opener against Bethune-Cookman coming out with a 79-62 victory. Um, so what are your thoughts on how the on the Lady Owls played to start their season? It's kind of hard to gauge, um, like, how – not bad, but, like, good we really are off that game. I mean, Bethune Cookman was 6-21 last year, so it's not really a team that you're heading into, like, circled on your calendar heading into the season. But – I mean, to pull out a 17-point victory um, at any point in the season is extremely strong. Um, that's definitely what you want to build around um, is effective shooting. You know, their head coach said that the score, the head coach of FAU said that the score didn't really dictate the outcome of the game, per se. Um, they thought Bethune played really well. But if you still think your opponent played really well and you're winning by 17, that obviously shows that you're doing something right offensively. Um, I think our highest point score was um, Joya with 13. Um, she played extremely well outside of that though you know just efficiency is really all you're trying to do in these type of games uh, if you know you're the superior opponent you just have to stick to the basics don't try to do anything too crazy minimize the turnovers and I think we did exactly that um, yeah I mean even though we lost the turnover department um, obviously there's something to fix in that regard but outside of that you know we have an even tougher opponent next week another power five opponent in Miami so we definitely have to bear down and keep grinding, I'd say. Yeah, um, like, like you said, it's, it's uh, not the greatest opponent in the world. So it's mm -hmm. yeah, not the – you don't want to get too ahead of yourselves on a win like this. But there were, there were good things um, to build off of, which is what this team needs after, like, kind of struggling so much last season. Um, they shot the ball. Uh, decent. Um, and then you see some of the newcomers, some of the transfers, uh, like you said, Maddox, uh, scoring some points. So um, it's it's good. This team just needs good, positive things to build off of moving forward. And no matter the opponent, a win is a positive thing to build off. So it's good to see them get that. Hopefully they can um, continue that in the coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. And uh, remembering what happened to them last season, it, it they did very, had a very hard time scoring uh, 60 points or much less 50 points. So the, the biggest key for them having a better season this time around is just to be more productive on the, on the offensive end. So scoring 79 points in your season opener 
is definitely a very good start. But again, it is Bethune-Cookness, so it's kind of in a way to be expected, but at the same time, sort of not. But it is a very good start for them to be at in their offensive game plan. So hopefully they can keep up that momentum as their next game will be against the Miami Hurricanes uh, this Wednesday, November 16th at 6 p.m. at Coral Gables. So uh, another road matchup. So good luck to them, and hopefully they can keep up uh, as keep scoring those points. And moving on, from um, that will conclude our section with FEU sports. Now we head on to national sports with the NFL. So week 10 passed. The, the Philadelphia Eagles finally lost on Monday night to the Washington Commanders to Taylor Heineke. Um, so <laughs> it's definitely, it was definitely a, somewhat controversial with the flags that were called in that game. But what do you guys think? For from that game as well as the rest of week 10. I mean, you can talk about flags all you want, questionable flags, but the fact that you're putting yourself in that position against a commander's team that isn't that strong um, is kind of indicative of how poorly you truly played. Um, first of all, you're not going to win a football game when you have as many turnovers as you did in one night as you did the entire season. I thought one of the biggest strengths for the Eagles and why they were – able to win so consistently was that they just did not turn the ball over at all. They did not give opposing teams any chances once their offense took the field. You know, Jalen Hurts had proved to be um, an extremely reliable quarterback, not only on the ground, but through the air. Um, but yet he only ended up throwing for around like hundred something yards. Like, come on, like utilize your weapons a little bit more. I know AJ Brown kind of had that ankle injury really early on in the game. So he was kind of like in and out. So, I mean, you kind of lose your number one weapon there. But, I mean, Devontae Smith um, isn't a bad number two, even if he has to sell with the number one. Like, he can make plays when he needs to. Um, you know, just some really badly timed turnovers for the Eagles. It seemed like they just really weren't in it the entire time. Like, it was just extremely frustrating to watch. Like, thankfully, I'm not an Eagles fan because if I was, I would have lost it. Like, that would have yeah. been extremely infuriating to watch. But, you know, hey, I don't know. It feels like. Yeah, go ahead. I would have stayed down instead of going up, and then I get tackled from behind and lose the ball. I, I, I wanted to stay down. I would have stayed down. I'm just saying. But another, stay down. <laughs> yes, uh, I 100% agree. Another thing I think about a majority of these NFC East teams, they are benefiting from the weakest schedule in all of football, and it shows so much. Like, look, you can have the best regular season. I don't care because the moment you get matched up in the playoffs, like right now, the seating it's supposed to be like the bucks and the giants are going to face off in the first round like <laughs> are the are the eight and two or whatever giants like really going to win like i don't know personally and i don't know how the eagles or the cowboys or anyone else in that division is going to do either but they're they're kind of showing fraudulent behavior as we pull up late in the season yeah no the eagles definitely i think Jalen hurts a little bit kind of came down to earth finally a little bit the AJ Brown not having him was not not necessarily not having him, but him being kind of slowed down by that injury is big because I I think he's one of like probably there's an argument to say he's probably like a top five receiver in the league, but um yeah this this just wasn't a clean game by them overall. I think Jalen some of those some throws especially the interceptions just weren't great decisions by Jalen Hurts, but um yeah it's. It wasn't a clean game. 
Um, they like you said, they weren't really in it at all. Um, Sunday night game was interesting as well. Um, I think it like uh, with the 49ers coming away, I think they kind of got wrote, wrote off a little bit by me a little, but there's it, it only I think it's kind of was only a matter of time before they figured it out. Um, they kind of have like they just have so many guys on their roster. Like I think they have more NFL 100 top 100 players on their roster than anybody else. Um, oh my gosh, I'm not sure what. I'm so sorry. I don't know what that was. Um, excuse me. They have like uh, so they just have so many guys on that roster. Um, and whenever you kind of pair that with a game manager like Jimmy, who's just gonna kind of get their get the ball to their guys, um, who are great in after the catch, uh, it's kind of a winning formula. So, I I think it was only a matter of time before they figure it out. But um. Yeah, some more. There was definitely some interesting games this week. Yeah. Um, another thing I kind of wanted to point a finger to, um, Raiders coach Josh McDaniels. You know, you kind of had the easiest matchup this week. You have a Colts team that's struggling extremely poorly. Um, they're not playing well in any facets of the game. They hire Jeff Saturday, who has zero coaching experience, and you find a way to lose. Um, what is going on? Uh, you want to talk about a guy in over his head this year? I definitely think Josh McDaniels has kind of outed himself as an offensive coordinator only. Um, you know, the Raiders with their talent, you know, they bring on Devontae Adams. You're expected to be a contender in this stacked AFC West or suppose that's what it was supposed to be heading into the season. And now you just have underperformance after underperformance. It seems like Derek Carr only knows how to throw to Devontae Adams. And if he can't do that, then it's just like, let Josh Jacobs take over the game. And you know what? I'm fine with that. But the fact that you can't stop anyone, including a Colts team, especially their offense, who struggled this much, kind of shows that you're just not the guy for the job. Um, I don't know how much longer he'll be there in Las Definitely. Vegas. Yeah. It, it's just I just want to say, I don't, he's, I don't understand why the offense is so, so stale, though. Because is McDaniels not, like, an offensive mind? Was he... Was that not his like, selling point of him as a coach? Like, I feel like game planning against the Raiders is probably like the easiest thing in the world because put like as many guys as possible on like Devontae or because if they're not throwing to him, they're just gonna give it to Josh Jacobs. And like it's they gotta like game plan better than that. And you figure when you uh, bring in offensive mind Josh McDaniels that won't be a problem but you know I don't know I don't know how long his tenure there will be I also wanted to bring up the ending to the uh, Vikings bills that was uh, crazy that was crazy I just want to I want to know um, your reaction to what calling the QB sneak on the one yard line I I I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, that's, that's questionable to me. I just wanted to, your guys' take on that. Well, because the way I look at it, if I'm the Bills, is it's pretty easy. You know, you literally just need a yard. Your quarterback is seven feet tall. He literally runs through linebackers on any given basis. Like you could probably trust him to get one QB sneak in, even if they know it's coming. You, you're 
you're probably not losing yards on that play regardless. Um, I think one of the biggest issues or kind of Josh Allen's kryptonite that's kind of revealed itself over the years and now it's becoming very obvious is his turnover issues are a problem. That is the only way the Bills are not going to consistently make runs in the playoffs or even further is because sometimes he just makes some super questionable call or like decisions, um, whether it be running the ball or throwing the ball, like he just puts himself in danger. Um, you know, coming into this game, we talked about his UCL injury, you know, his elbow wasn't really fully healthy. He had issues with that. And then on a turnover, he's diving to take out a guy with his hurt arm. Like what are that, that doesn't help the team. Like we know you want to make a play, but you got to think of the team in the long-term sense. And it just seems like he's kind of going based off emotion sometimes. I mean, I don't know if I can properly assess that, um, nor if I have the qualifications to, but just from a fan's perspective, like that's what it looks like. It just looks like he's kind of letting his emotions take over in certain aspects of the game. And it's not helping his team overall. Other than that, that was the game of the year. Justin Jefferson made one of the best catches since the Odell catch, in my opinion. That was insane. Um, We just had a lot of good football this weekend. College, NFL, everything solid. Yeah, and with the Bills losing, that definitely helped the Miami Dolphins, who handily beat the Cleveland Browns 39-17. Now they're riding a four-game winning streak. They have a record of 7-3. And Tua just keeps looking better and better as the season goes on. Um, do we think the Dolphins are for real in the playoff? In the playoff? In the playoff run? I'll say yes. I have nothing to discredit them for. Uh, Mike Daniels is running an unbelievable offense, but oh my lord! If I hear one more Miami fan say Tua for MVP, I'm going to lose it because he's he is playing extremely well. I will give him that, but. I think it is majorly because of the weapons around him. You know, bringing in Jeff Wilson was a huge add. They bring in Bradley Chubb to that defensive line. You know, that's huge for their defense. Um, but on the other side of things, you know, it was kind of like the Browns not helping their case at all. Like Kevin Stefanski, you have Nick Chubb, and you just <laughs> completely ignored him. You suddenly decided that Jacoby Brissett was your saving grace, and that he was going to pass his way to a Dolphins win. What, what are you doing? You know the only way to win that game from a coaching perspective is to keep the ball on the ground, keep Tua and that offense off the field, keep it as low scoring as possible and try to pull out a late game win with a turnover. Like that's how you have to win that game. Not try to get into a shootout and prove that Amari Cooper and Jacoby Brissett, even with David Njoku out, like everything was telling you to stick to the ground game and you just completely ignored it. Like what are you doing? But focusing on Miami, you know, they're truly our contenders. Um, Their division is extremely tough you know everyone in that division is over 500 so they have a long way to go in that regard but um i'm definitely not writing them off at all they could make a playoff run it's just can Tua keep this up or will he have his hurts moment and kind of come down to earth yeah um i definitely um same kind of thoughts i think they're i don't think they're frauds or anything like that i think they're for real but like you said it's not an easy path to the playoff and you know the defense could be playing better that scares me a little bit like that may get them caught possibly early in the playoffs but there's such a matchup nightmare for everybody just having that combination of receivers and then uh often um mike mcdaniels runs a great offense he you know utilizes the motion a lot they run a lot of rpos so i definitely think they're contenders as of right now but like you said can two can two keep this up can they just kind of keep playing good football, you know? Yeah, definitely. And hopefully the Dolphins can keep that up. And as we move on from the NFL, we head on to the NBA. Um, 
definitely a lot of things have happened and um but hey, uh, watching last night's Celtics Thunder game, um, imagine getting a technical foul because a, a clap you made scared a referee. <laughs> I'm getting tired of these refs, man. I'm getting tired of it. I feel why are we talking like every sport we have to talk about? It's it's why are these refs so terrible? I don't. We need like a officiating overall in sports. What kind of blows my mind is you have these referees who most of them have law degrees. Um, they're incredibly intelligent um, in their own regard. You know, they hold society to a certain standard. And yet when they get on a court where they know they are supposed to be essentially invisible outside of dictating the boundaries of the game, they suddenly feel the need to involve themselves way more than they need to. Like for whatever reason, over the years, it has kind of turned into this officiating type of guidance. I don't even know what to call it. It's just annoying. It is extremely annoying. You know, the players are upset about it. It's not like you have just one or two guys that are being affected. It's the entire league. Like, no one is enjoying it at all. It feels like they can't even play the game anymore without having to, like, look over their shoulder, or, like, make sure they're playing so strict. Like, you know, it's kind of weird because in some sports – uh, like baseball and football, you have them kind of expressing themselves. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. No real issues. Um, and then in basketball, it's like, nope, none of your celebrating, none of your reaction. You can't have an overreaction. You can't let your emotions come out. It's you better shut up and dribble. That's pretty much all they're asking to do. And it's extremely annoying um, because we truly are in one of the like best offensive generations of basketball we've ever seen. Um, everyone has talent. Everyone can do a little bit of everything. It's great to watch. You have teams that you thought were going to be playing for lottery picks, end up being contender. Shout out the Jazz. And you have teams that you thought would be contenders are kind of showing the true colors. Shout out the Cavaliers. It is what it is. Refs, please stick to your whistle calls. I don't need to hear any more. I don't need to see any more texts. It's not helping the game. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And it's it's crazy because there's it's not – not just that, it's like affecting real outcomes of games. Like we saw it uh, like about a week ago in the Kings-Warriors game where it was a very, I don't want to say kind of obvious foul on by Clay Thompson on Kevin Herter, but that, that if he calls a foul, that's going to change the outcome of the game more likely than not. So it's it sucks to see that, like, like you said, we're in like, the most talented generation of basketball and we're seeing games decided by like silly things like that. But, but um, like, like you said, like there's a lot of teams that we didn't think um going to be contenders that are kind of still in there. Like you said, shout out to jazz. <laughs> but yeah, as we look at the standings, um, the Celtics riding a seven game winning streak at the, as the top seed in the Eastern conference, with the Milwaukee Bucks trailing right behind them, the Hawks, they have been doing good with the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray duo and their backcourt taking third place. The Cavs are starting to slide down a bit, having a four-game losing streak, and the Wizards, surprisingly, having a, having four straight wins, even though Bradley Beal hasn't been at his best, and they've been looking at uh, Christoph Porzingis as their number one option, which is, which is funny for the most part. And the Miami Heat, starting to get back on track with a three-game winning streak, especially with Bam dropping a 30-10 a and 10 performance for them uh, last night. So, And, of course, Jimmy Butler owned Devin Booker 
very easily with a game-saving block. So definitely a lot of things from the Easter Conference to be looking, to be focusing on. Yeah. Um, I I think I'm becoming more and more of a Devin Booker hater. Um, Aren't I, we, I'm with you. Aren't we all? Oh, dude, this guy, oh my Lord. He, it's like every little thing he does, he's just trying to lose fans. Like it, it's the snide remarks. It's the play style. It's the complaining. Like, dude, I get it. Some of it is warranted. You have your time and opportunity to complain when needed. But it seems like every night you just have something negative to say. Like, you can never just be happy. Like, oh, like the thing is, is like the Suns individually, like each individual Suns player, I can find something to enjoy about their game. But when I watch the Suns play together as a whole, I'm never rooting for them ever. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, CP3 can stay ringless at this point. I don't care. Like, I'm just not a huge fan in that regard. I, Aiden didn't even do anything wrong. He's just quiet, but I'm still going to point fingers at him. Like, you need to be better. You know, you're considered to be like this Joel, Joel, Joel Embiid tier center, and you're not proving it. Like, you're going to get your call out. But, oh, man, it, it that's a frustrating team to watch. Um, on the other side of things, speaking of Joel Embiid, you know, Harden went down, and he decided, you know, I'm going to drop the 59 piece yeah. uh, on some <laughs> team like yikes um it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of continuously take over from that big man position i know we kind of see it from Jokic more and more but he's more still of a facilitator i don't really consider him like taking over the game from a shooting aspect um but yeah another team i want to point to is the timberwolves you know they were kind of like this so-and-so playoff team last year and now cat is kind of like it's like the Monstars have just taken all his abilities away. Like, it, it is looking bad for that man. I, I don't know what happened to the T-Wolves. Um, I think their defense has slipped, even though they got Rudy Gobert. And they got Cat playing at his natural position. Like, it's supposed to work on paper. Like, you, you move Cat to his natural position at the four, and you have Gobert taking over at the five. And then, like, you pretty much have a, a normal starting lineup. But the spacing messed up somehow the defense should not like like not get better when you add rudy gobert like under any circumstance like lineup whatever there's argument to say that like rudy gobert is like the best defender in basketball that should just improve there's argument there's argument there's argument all the best is every single one of his defensive player of the years are suspect the fact that he is on the Timberwolves (laughs) and they can't do anything I am I am so tired of argument. Gobert trained. I like no. I am the biggest Rudy Gobert like slanderer of all time. Oh, I don't. I don't it's... like. I, I do not like. <laughs> him either. I think he's one of the biggest clowns in the NBA. But yes, I don't. I, I, there's argument. I would say. Yeah, but I respect um, the argument. Uh, but um, yeah, then they that kind of haul they sent for him is was a little not. I don't was a little bit of a head scratcher. So um. Yeah, that's that's not great to see. I thought at this point they'd be, I figured they'd be a little bit better than um, six and eight is what I think they are right now. Yeah, six and eight. I figured they'd be a little bit better than that um, with the addition of him, and um, I really like Anthony Edwards. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't. Maybe they'll figure it out, but that's this is this wasn't the point like they want to be at um, after making a move like that. 
Well, uh, when it comes to stats, I, I saw a stat that said Anthony Edwards is basically more productive when D'Angelo Russell is on the bench than when he's on the court together with him. So maybe the team wants to consider uh, moving Devo to that six-man role and just have Anthony Edwards just give him the rest treatment. <laughs> where, where are we on this Lowry marketing most improved player of the year? Well, he is. Did the Jazz make the playoffs? Sure. <laughs> Cause I would say let's 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 see it play out, see it play out. Yeah, maybe oh, yeah. I don't say it. because the Jazz I, I, hope, are... I I personally hope it's not a Lin Sanity run. I personally hope it's not, <laughs> but there is a possibility. So let's not call it just yet. Yeah, Ooh. like the Jazz finally started losing some games. They're like ten and five at the moment. They lost their top spot in the West. So the Blazers and the Nuggets are currently tied for that. So. Uh, we'll just have to wait. It's basically a wait and see, but if the Jazz do make the playoffs and Lowry Markinen continues up this performance, I, I think he should be good to get that award. Yeah. Um, lastly, I'll just add, I'm so happy to see Zion Williamson back on a basketball court. Um, he's playing extremely efficient. For all the hype that he got, I feel like it died out extremely fast and kind of unwarranted due to injuries. Um, but I hope people haven't lost faith or realized that he yeah. like he is the player everyone thought he was like he is extremely good he kind of is bringing nba in that shift towards the dominant inside like post post play style of nba that i've kind of missed seeing over the years i'm tired of this just launching up 40 40 foot three pointers i'm just kind of sick of it but you know shout out time yeah well, yeah no good. definitely agree he plays like such he's such like the watch like his play style so i I definitely agree. It's great to see him back. Yeah, when stars are healthy, the NBA is much better as a, as a whole. With that, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira. For Cameron, at PriesterCameron. And for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.